0: This is a download from Newstalk 106 to108. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Talking Books on News Talk
1: 106 to108. Abraham Lincoln once observed, Character is like a tree and reputation is like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. Hello, good morning, and you're very welcome to Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. I'm Susan Cahill well it's bank holiday sunday so we're going to embrace what's best about a lazy bank holiday weekend we're going to take a nice and easy nice and slow and escape into the magical world of books and trees ireland's best-known tree hunter aubrey fennel talks to me about the mysterious and alluring power of trees and his 15-year arthurian research quest to record and write Heritage Trees of Ireland. And with Russia's Ukraine actions dominating the international political stage, we look at this superpower from a different and creative slant and discuss a new documentary exploring writing in the age of Putin. This is a show about imagination and wonder, love and creativity, passion and tradition. But first, trees have played an important role in many of the world's mythologies, and in folk religion and folklore. But do they have stories of their own? Aubrey Fennell is a passionate, spiritual, a slightly crazy tree hunter. He has recorded over 10,000 champion trees in Ireland for the Tree Register of Ireland's database at Dublin's National Botanic Gardens. And his large, weather-beaten hands and bright face tell that story. Well, Aubrey's new book, Heritage Trees of Ireland, is a delight to read. It's an indulgence from page to page and for those of you who like nothing more than flickering through gorgeous photographs of our beautiful natural world, well you won't be disappointed. Heritage Trees of Ireland features stunning photography from Carsten Krieger and Kevin Hutchinson. I have to say some of the illustrations of trees are absolutely mesmerising. It's like one big visual love story without all the head-wrecking drama. Now Aubrey says he knows trees personally. He describes the great oaks as the aristocrats of Ireland, ewes as the contemplatives and others just simply as trees of awe and inspiration. Well Aubrey's unique book offers readers a fascinating journey through Ireland's trees from landmark and junction trees to sacred trees, curiosities, American joints, exotics. Aubrey literally has a tree for everybody no matter how sophisticated or simple your taste. Now, Aubrey lives in Carlo amongst his own champion trees and is an authoritative advocate on their behalf. He says we need to safeguard trees and pass them on to the next generation. They provide, after all, the air we breathe. Well, early in the week, I had the pleasure of meeting up with Aubrey. I started out by asking him, do trees have stories? Let's take a listen.
0: Well, they say that trees can't talk, so I found it my job to find their story and to speak on their behalf. So yes, trees do have stories.
1: And in some way I suppose they're witness to the experiences in life and to our own historical experiences.
0: That would be a way of putting it. They're ever-present. They are, as you say, witness. We take them for granted and it's only when we've had the storms we've just been having that maybe people's perception of them might change. We are like ants on an anthill and these are the trees, the trees have been there all this time and one wonders if they have consciousness and uh, if not I feel that it's my job to find what they think of us.
1: Now, Aubrey, you've just written a most exquisite book called Heritage Trees of Ireland. And when I leafed through it last night, it was just a glorious read. It was unbelievably therapeutic and relaxing to go into the history of all these magnificent trees around the country and also read about their story, their history and how they've been shaped by our changing culture.
0: It is the work of about 15 years of my hunting for these trees. Back in 1997, I just broke up with my girlfriend and I was looking for something to do and I've I've always been one of these people who have to measure, record, photograph, everything that's around me. So I've always been inspired by nature. And trees were the most obvious candidate for me to go out and hunt. One good thing about trees is that they don't move. So first of all, not like chasing butterflies or looking for birds, they're there. It's just a matter of seeing them for the first time. And by measuring and recording them, which I started to do for myself, it became an obsessional sort of hobby. And then meeting other people who were also inspired by trees like Thomas Pakenham and the Irish Tree Society that I got involved and was brought on board by the Tree Council of Ireland to measure them officially and to get paid for doing what I do. And so for the last 15 years, I've been measuring, recording, photographing and documenting these trees because no one else had been doing so. And in about 2009, there are many trees in our landscape which don't meet the criteria of size or rarity or whatever, what we call heritage trees, which don't get onto the database of champion trees, which is what I started out to look for. Trees which are in the landscape which may be landmark trees or witness trees or trees which are sacred and after two years on the tree council website we had about 12-13 hundred of those trees recorded and it seemed obvious the next thing to do was to write about them to tell their story and I had never written anything before in my life never published anything and we did get someone to do the work but really to speak of those trees you've got to know them personally and it didn't work out and then I was asked would I write about uh, trees so last year in 2013 I started in January and finished it by midsummer. the trees which were selected by me initially I wrote about them and then hoped that people would like, what they read, and the wonderful photographs taken of them around the country by Carsten Krieger and Kevin Hutchinson.
1: So it sounds like it was a very personal journey for you in writing this book. I'm glad you mentioned the photography because the pictures are absolutely amazing and you get lost in these big voluminous trees, mm. their branches and they're such interesting trunks. I was actually quite dumbfounded and wondered do I really appreciate these national monuments?
0: Yeah that is what inspired me because I was all the time looking for the oldest and the tallest But the oldest trees are the biggest trees so so many of these trees which I've selected also happen to be the oldest of their kind and of course one shouldn't anthropomorphise trees but I think of them as having real character they're rugged and I think of trees in that way I know I shouldn't but that's how I think of them and I agree that trees are remarkable when you look at them like this they are my friends and unfortunately we've just lost one of my greatest friends I consider in the trees which was the great um, popular down in Burr Castle but that's inevitable trees do have amazing shelf life the oldest trees in Ireland are over maybe seven, 800 years old and to see such trees to fall in a storm is terrible but I'm delighted that we have their photographs. It's important that we record these trees for posterity for people in the future, that these trees did want to exist and that we did appreciate them. And that's how I consider what started out as a hobby has turned out to be almost like um, a vocation. I don't know how. When I put my tape around the first tree, I never thought it would end up speaking to you about them.
1: And how responsible is Mr Cromwell for tearing down the trees of Ireland? What impact did our very turbulent political history have on our lovely, cherished
0: trees. Well, Cromwell might have a bad rap, and yet it's like the butterfly effect. Someone of such significance historically has had an amazing ripple effect down through the years in our history. By the beginning of the 18th century, all of Ireland was under control of the Anglo-Irish ascendancy and the British authorities. Trees already were disappearing and perhaps there were maybe 5 or 10% tree cover during the start of the penal times, starting in the 1700s, so that by the middle of this 18th century, there were no longer any trees left of significance, and the Dublin Society had to sponsor growers to start planting trees again. Of course, oak was necessary for the British Navy and so on, and some of the trees featured in my book date from this time. So whether Cromwell has personally had anything to do with all of this, he facilitated the colonisation of the Ascent and the building up of the large estates behind walls and their trees. Most trees we see in Ireland are from the enclosures. In other words, our field patterns, our hedgerows, and so many of them date from this time, and our finest and most extraordinary trees probably date from these times. So that by the beginning of the 1900s, we had the least tree cover in all of Europe. At that time, there was a huge transfer of ownership following the Land Acts in the 1880s, and where estates were being divided up, and the Land Commission was dividing them up, and there was wholesale destruction of trees at that time these trees were all planted around the big houses as kind of pleasure grounds and they were being destroyed for farmland so around the early 1900s as well forestry became an important component to our tree cover so that since independence our concentration of trees has been as a crop as a rotational crop to provide timber for building and in fact it pains me to say that the three thousand copies of my book each book weighed 1.6 kilos, which meant that five tons of timber was used. And I have have some misgivings about trees being used for this, but perhaps they'll forgive me.
1: And do you think as a country, in terms of our government, do you think that we cherish our trees? They're part of our national heritage. They're part of the historical experience. They are, as you say, monuments. Mm. So do we respect them enough?
0: I think with education in our schools that we were beginning to respect them more. I know that trees are associated with a big house and that there's an ambiguous attitude by people to trees, certainly in the countryside. We're becoming a more urbanised country and people are living in streets and cities and trees are becoming more and more essential. To our well-being, to the fact that they take CO2 out of the air, they control our pollutants and I think that trees are becoming more and more important to our consciousness of our well-being and I think we should value trees more and I think people are beginning to value trees more. It concerns me that councils are demanding um, roadside trees all to be removed. We should not be living in a nanny state completely. I know trees need to be looked at with the idea to make sure that we can do we all possible but we need to leave our trees as best as possible because they they are such an important to, um, component and we need to value them. We need to put a monetary value on our trees to show how much they're worth and that people who are bothered by having to take leaves out of the gutters and say our oh, trees are no good, well, they actually contribute to our both our well-being and to our economy.
1: Now, Aubrey, can you talk to me a little bit about how you broke up or how you went about structuring this book? Because I imagine it was a mammoth exercise in planning and organisation. And I suppose we're very attached to the oak and the ash, but we possibly have not realised the beauty in other types of trees that we have.
0: Well, first of all, Ireland is an island off an island, off a mainland of Europe and we got separated from um, Europe and Britain between seven and ten thousand years ago when trees no longer could move across the landscape after the ice age. So we have a very limited variety of trees because of our isolation. So the oaks and the uh, ash trees and the hawthorns are the obvious trees. They are s- so associated with our landscape and they've been omnipresent since we became reforested after the ice age. And then in about the 16th and 17th century, new species from Britain, which never got to Ireland, and from Europe, like the silver firs and the sweet chestnuts and the walnuts. These were imported because they brought food to the table or they added more variety to our gardens and landscapes.
1: And you describe, Aubrey, the great oaks as the aristocrats mm. of Ireland. And, you know, you say they're their most important woodland tree. But can you talk to me about some of the big personality trees that you have here, the big personality oaks? Because I'm looking at at some of these pictures here and they are mind blowing.
0: Well, yeah, these trees for example, the King Oak in Charleville have been associated with a particular family and because of its shape and so on, this is a very special tree. But I selected trees by their categories after I'd written their stories. I first of all selected trees from every county in Ireland and hopefully most of them, as best as possible, could be viewed either by road or can be viewed by the public. There are so many hidden trees in Ireland that I couldn't include in this book. So it was only after I'd written the stories of that we divided them up into landmark trees or sacred trees or aristocratic trees, because exotic trees like the ginkgo from Japan, it was obvious how we could talk about them and and group them together as characters. I
1: particularly loved the Harley Park Oak in Mm. Ballingarry in County Tipperary. There's a dreamlike mystical quality to it. It's very spread out and its trunk is almost dancing along with its branches. It's exquisite.
0: It is the fat-bellied Pig of Irish trees, and um, it's enormous. It's over thirty feet in girth. I spotted it early on when I, just imagine when in the early years I started measuring trees because no one had been and looking for these trees. No one was really doing this before, so the whole country was open, and to discover something like the Harley Park oak beside the road in County Tipperary was just mind-blowing, as you say, again on a misty day. It's only about maybe 30 feet high, but its trunk is over 30 feet round with the scattering of branches. And when you look at the trunk, different appendages of the human anatomy you can see in this tree. In fact, I'd call it the mother tree because it looks pregnant. So that tree itself, for the tree hunter in any other country in Europe, to find an oak tree of over 30 feet in girth is like... It's it's the ultimate in trees to find. And when I put my tape measure around it, it slipped under the trunk um, because it got a little bit narrow as it got towards the ground and I had to can see that I had not found the Holy Grail of trees, which is an oak tree of over 30 feet in girth. I mean, the oak throughout Europe is really the the king of all trees and is associated from pre-Christian times. I mean, in fact, when you think of Derry, which is a Druid's grove, Derry being the Irish or the Gaelic for an oak wood, oak has been really the tree and for me, as well as all those before and after me will be the aristocrat and this Harley Parko is a very special tree.
1: Now, Aubrey, you have some terrific ancient yews and you really describe them as real witnesses to history because some of them are over 800 years old and I'm just looking at the trunk of the Glen Cormac yew and it's in Kilmechanic in County Wicklow in Glen Cormac and it is absolutely terrific. It's amazing. If I was just to visually describe it, there are so many knots in it. It's so broad. It's so powerful. Powerful and extraordinary.
0: Well, the Glen Cormac is a really attractive tree and I describe it as like a hundred pythons all rising together to form one large pyramid. It is like a hundred trees all running into one trunk. And this tree could be six, seven hundred years old and like all use, has a wonderful ability to live almost forever. In fact, the oldest tree in Europe could possibly be over 3,000 years old, which would be a yew in Scotland and also in England and in Normandy. But in Ireland, unfortunately, the yews weren't given quite, they were venerated and they were found in pre-Christian groves, and they were associated with holy places, and that association was retained with Christianity. And in fact, yews are found in graveyards. But um, yew trees then, have this amazing ability to live and they're evergreen and they're one of the few evergreen trees we have in Ireland. And the Glen Cormac Yew is a particularly attractive because also it is a wayside place. There was an abbey there in Glen Cormorch, midway between say Dublin, where we are now near Patrick's Cathedral, all the way out to Glendalough, which was pilgrimage way. Now there is no written evidence that this tree was I waste up but we know that from other pilgrim paths in other in places like Spain and in Britain that these trees were planted and were protected because of their association with Christianity and also like all trees mirror the underworld and the overworld so what you see above ground is mirrored if you dig away all the soil the roots also mirror um what's above ground it's like a reflection in glass there's a wonderful story of a tree that no longer exists in which one of the five sacred trees of ireland we're talking about 1500 to 2000 years ago before christianity arrived and one of them was a yew tree in old in carlo in which saint lazarin and his followers had decided that where this tree was a sanctified place, and there's good reason. And sacred trees are associated with Christianity for good reason, in the sense that in order to superimplant the old religion with the new one, to adopt some of the old things, so sacred trees and holy wells are adopted. And Saint Lazarus in O'Loughlin sat with his followers and prayed for three days for the the largest and one of the most sacred trees of Ireland to, to fall down under the power of prayer. And all his followers tried and then finally, after about three days, St. Lazarus his prayers were answered and it came crashing down and they built the first church. So, yews have and will continue, hopefully, um, to be revered and respected. And this Glen Cormac tree is just a magnificent example of yew trees in general.
1: I find it very interesting, we reading about the ash and the hawthorn. Now, they're natives to Ireland and we have a rich history of ripping down ashes. Would that be fair to say?
0: Well they are the most obvious tree in the landscape and they are the trees in hedgerows and modern farming practices has meant that ash trees are vulnerable because they're in the way and hedgerows are being removed but it really should be our national tree. For a start they live to about three or four hundred years old at most but in Ireland we have more big ash trees than anywhere else than the rest of Europe put together and of course back in the 70s and 60s the elm was devastated landscapes in Europe and in Britain and to an extent here in